All right. How's everybody doing? I've been out for a little while. So this is my first time on stage in like six weeks. Yeah, it is. And uh, we're going to be starting a new sermon series this morning on the seven churches of Revelation. So I hope you listen. I believe there's something that the Lord really wants to, to do and say through this series. So I'm going to go ahead and jump right into this. All right, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 1 and chapter 2 this morning, and I really am going to jump right into this. I know I'm breaking my own tradition, but I'm not going to start with a story. Oh, I know, boo. So just a little bit of background here as we're getting started. The Apostle John was... Um, imprisoned on the island of Patmos. And as the Bible tells us, that it was on a Sunday, and he was worshiping, and the Lord called him into a, a special place and began to speak to him. So in Revelation 1, verse 12, it says, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man. Let's stop right there for just a second. That A, see that A up there? One like a son of man, that A should not be there. If you have a translation that has a the there, the the should not be there. It is not in the original. What, What John was actually saying is I turned around and I saw somebody like son of man. Son of man is a messianic title. So what John was really saying was, I turned and I saw somebody that looked like the Messiah, looked like this Jesus that I had walked with for all those years, but there was something different. And we're going to look at the difference here real quick. And keep going there in verse 13, it says, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest, the hairs of his head were white. White like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his hand, in his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. Now let's go back. Once again, it said, I saw somebody that looked like that guy that I knew. I saw somebody that looked like son of man, the Messiah. But something was different. What's different here? Well, the description of Jesus, that's not the Jesus that he knew when Jesus was walking here on the earth. You see, when Jesus was here walking here, On the earth, he came as the lamb. He came as the sacrifice for our sin. But now John is encountering the risen Savior. He's not encountering the lamb. The lamb is great. We still need the lamb. There are times when we need that tender love and mercy. But Jesus is showing up now as the lion. He is showing up as the lion of the tribe of Judah. You know the Bible says that he is a lion and a lamb, right? He's showing up as the risen king. He is showing up as the Lord of lords in all of his glory. And this is what 
John is seeing. So he said, he looked like somebody that I knew, but he looked a whole lot different. Verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. There was such a presence of the Lord. This was so different from what he had experienced before. The moment he saw him, he fell out. Right, well, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I should keep reading and not preach in between, shouldn't I? <laughs> he, uh, I fell out as dead, and he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and have the keys to death and Hades. Once again, Uh, Jesus is describing who he is, who he is in this resurrected self. 1 Corinthians says that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And now Jesus is standing here going, I got the keys to it. I got the keys to death and to Hades. Your version may say the grave. The good old King James says hell. Got the keys to death and hell. I like to tell people Satan doesn't even have the, the keys to his own front door. Because Jesus, that is how much Jesus destroyed the power of Satan. Verse 19, write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Now, just for us to be real clear, because Revelation is such a book, you ask 10 different people about about certain things, and they can give you 10 different answers. There are people that believe that when Jesus said that the, 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 the seven stars are the angels of the church, that he was talking about literal angels, an angel that, that may uh, be protecting the church. I, I don't believe that. I'd be okay with that. I believe in angels, but I don't believe that's what, what Jesus is saying. First of all, because the word angel can be translated messenger, and is translated messenger at times. So if he's saying, write this to the messengers of the churches, who are the messengers of the churches? Pastors, the leaders. But here's the biggest reason I don't believe that it's a physical angel. Would Jesus have to write a letter to an angel? No. Sometimes common sense can can overcome our mystery, right? I believe that... Jesus is saying, write a letter to the leadership of these churches. And that's what John was to do. Now in Revelation 2, verse 1, it says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus. Now let me give you just a little bit of background on Ephesus. It was the most important city in Asia Minor at the time. It was uh, the, the center of the worship of the goddess Artemis. In fact, the temple to, to the goddess Artemis was considered one of the, the seven wonders of the ancient world. 
because of its beauty and how big it was. But Ephesus was also a place of, of, of great immorality, great sin. In fact, one of their, their own philosophers named Heraclitus, had to practice that, said of his own people, this is somebody that, that was a contemporary, said of his own, his own hometown, he said, I am surrounded by such uncleanness. And that's a, that's, that's a heathen philosopher. That's not somebody from the church. That's a heathen philosopher said, something wrong with y'all. That's the East Texas version, okay? What a great place to start a church, right? And that's exactly what Paul did around the year 50. Paul founded the church there, and it was a strong church. It was a powerful church. The book of Acts tells us because of the church at Ephesus that the gospel was preached all throughout the region. While Paul was at Ephesus, that's where it says that the anointing on him was so strong that they came and they took handkerchiefs from him and gave it to sick people, and they were healed. It was a powerful church church. It was such a strong church that John, the apostle John himself, moved his uh, ministry there, if you would say, around the year 70. And now we're at the year 90, when Paul is having this vision of the Lord. So about 40 years after the church was founded, Back to Revelation chapter 2. Let's read the whole verse there. To the angel at the church of Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Jesus is saying, I have you secure in my hand. As we go through this over the next seven weeks, each time he, he's writing to another church, he introduces himself differently. But if you really look at it, it's what that church needs. What Ephesus needed to know is that Jesus was still there. Jesus still had them. It says, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. So here's the first thing that Jesus does. He gives them recognition. He recognizes some of the good things that is going on in the church. I call this a Sam sandwich. Sam sandwich, not ham sandwich. I know some of you are already getting hungry. But a Sam sandwich, as in Sam Fisher. Because when I was an associate pastor at this church... And my mouth moved faster than my brain sometimes. He would have to call me in and say, hey. But you know how he always started? Now, Chris, you're doing this really, really well. Man, you're so good with those youth. They're so passionate. They love Jesus so much. But there's something I need to talk to you about. <laughs> it's a Sam sandwich, okay? I'm glad to know that, that Jesus knows about the Sam sandwich, too. See, the church was doing some, some things that were right. And Jesus focused on that first. He said, I know about your, your hard work, your toil. Don't be allergic to hard work. Don't be allergic to hard work. 
It takes hard work. Look, it is easy to get saved. It really is. It is easy to give your heart to Jesus, to come into this relationship. It is not always hard to walk diligently. It takes some hard work. If you want to be a a good mom, a good dad, a good husband, a good spouse, if you want to be a passionate Christian, it will take some work. Well, can't I just sit around and let Jesus pour himself on me? Does that work for anybody in here? I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to find that one, okay? Does Jesus want to pour himself on you? Absolutely. But you know what? It takes some, de- some dedication sometimes. It takes some laying down of some things, and that can be hard work. We talked about that in the throne room this morning. Preachers always want to say, well, just lay it at the cross. Just lay it at the cross. And that's the truth. Just give it to Jesus. But it's not always easy, is it? Because sometimes it's part of my identity. I've been hurt and I'm going to protect myself. I've thought like this so long. And it takes work to get free from that. And Jesus said, hey, I see your, I see your hard work. He said, I see your patient endurance. Patience. Don't get in a hurry. I'm always in a hurry. I live in a hurry. I'm always in overdrive. If I thought about it today, we should have already started it by tomorrow. The Lord knew exactly when to set me in as lead pastor of this church. Just about the time the whole world had to slow down and stop. Couldn't do anything I wanted to do. All of 2020, don't do anything. Really, all of 2021, too. 2022, we still don't know what we're doing, do we? And I'm always wanting to go, go, go. But the Lord's always moving at a nice, slow pace. He's always moving forward, but we've got to be at a pace with Him. That word... uh, Patience there, the Greek word, means cheerful, hopeful endurance. Not just slow down, but be happy about it. Not just endure, but be happy about it. Why? Because that's the one thing the enemy cannot steal from you. Listen to me. James chapter 1, count it all joy. Count it all joy when? When everything's going right. Count it all joy when the Cowboys are winning. Well, we had not been in joy for years. <laughs> Count it all joy when you fall into different trials. Count it joy. What does that mean? Get excited about it. Cheerful expectation. Of what? Of how God is going to come through. Cheerful expectation. So when you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, you should be going, woohoo! Here we go. Lord, I can't wait to see how you're going to fix this. He also said that you cannot bear with evil. The Greek word evil here means to to, I'm sorry, the, the Greek word bear means to pick up, to carry. 
He said, you're not carrying, you're not picking up. This world's evil. And the word evil literally translates to worthless, depraved. So he's saying, you're not picking up the worthless and depraved things of this world. The Greek word is kakos. Means the same thing as the Spanish word caca. He said, don't pick up this world's poop. That's what he's saying. He's commending them. We got to be around it, but don't let it get on you. Don't let it affect you. And then he also said that you test them that call themselves fill in the blank. It was apostles here. But there are people that come through all the time. I'm apostle so-and-so. I'm prophet so-and-so. I'm this. I'm that. And all they want is to be on the stage. We had a family blow through here several years ago. And from the moment that they walked in, they were pimping themselves. This is what I'm good at. This is what we're good at. This is what we can do. This is how we can make your life better. And they wouldn't stop. We're so talented. They actually told me that they were more talented than any of the musicians that we had on stage. And you know what? That might have been right. What the thing is, especially that bass player this morning, but... The thing is, we're more about heart than talent. More about heart than talent. So Jesus gave him a pat on the back, but as any good leader, he's also going to point out what's not so good, right? So in verse 4, he says, But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. That's why the title of my message today is Love Matters. Love matters. So here comes the rebuke. Jesus gave them the recognition, but now he's going to rebuke them. And we shouldn't be afraid of being rebuked by the Lord. In fact, Hebrews 12, verse 6 says, The Lord disciplines the ones that he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. So if you're going to walk this walk with the Lord, he is going to discipline you. He is going to chastise you. How does he do that? Not with sickness and evil. Can I say that again? This is how he chastises us. His word. His word. That's why it's important to know the word, to be in the word. Because it's like a mirror. We look into it and we see Jesus. We see the character of God. Are we reflecting the character of God? And when we're not, guess what? The Word's going to tell us. Jesus gave him a list of commendations. But then he told him your lack of love negates it. Because being right... Without living righteously, we'll always be wrong. Without love, hard work is just done in our own strength. Without love, patient endurance is really just false humility. I'm just waiting on Jesus. 
without love standing against evil really becomes religious arrogance. And without love testing the truthfulness of ministry really comes down to just a matter of preference. Oh, I love when the Holy Spirit is moving. Because that's what ministers to me. Because that's what I like. I like this kind of music. You know, I have actually met people who like Southern gospel music. I don't. But I have met people that are just like, Jesus is in the house when the Gaithers come on, right? Woo-hoo! It's not me. It's not my preference. But there are people that will judge ministries by preference, not by the Holy Spirit. Because I hate to say it, please forgive me, but most of us can't tell the difference between the leading of the Holy Spirit and the leading of our soul. My mind, my will, my emotions, what I like, that's what's anointed. If you prophesy right over me, tell me good things, man, ooh, he's, he's anointed. Says something that, that cuts a little, little deep. Well, oh, man, he has missed God. <laughs> what Jesus was really saying was, you've gotten so busy at sifting out what's wrong, you've forgotten what's right. Love is what's right. Remember that, that little chapter in, in 1 Corinthians, chapter 13? It says, love is patient, kind, not arrogant, not rude. Bears all things. There's that word bears again. What did it mean? To pick up, to carry, right? See, the Ephesian church was, was good at not bearing or picking up what was evil, but they forgot to bear what was good. We have to bear love. Verse 5 says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. That's tough. Hey, Jesus, why would you say that? Remember from where you've fallen. Have you ever just had that, that moment where you go, what in the world am I doing? Gosh, what am I doing? I always think of the prodigal son. Took his inheritance, wasted it. Got so broke, he had to work at a pig farm. Now, you know that's bad when a Jewish man's working at a pig farm, right? Then he got so hungry, he's looking at the pig slop going, I wish I had some of that. Then it says he remembered. We need to have those remember moments. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works that you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So here's the remedy. Real quick. Jesus gave recognition. He gave the rebuke. And now he's giving the remedy. Two stages. First, remember. Remember what it was like to live in love. Remember what it's like when it just seemed like Jesus was walking with you everywhere. You couldn't go anywhere without just somebody bump into you. Jesus comes out. Remember what it's like 
And then we also have to acknowledge that we may have fallen from it. If we're not sure about where our love level is, let me help you out, okay? If you see more of what is wrong than what is right with people, with ministry, with churches, your love level may have fallen. If you are bossy and overbearing and are intolerant of others' weaknesses, your love level may have fallen. If you are unable to engage with a person or a church that is not perfect or near perfect in your opinion, your love level may have fallen. If you are prone to overreact to other people's sins and failures. Let me hover for a moment, okay? We're all going to sin. We're all going to blow it from time to time. Because we live in this human body. And if we tend to overreact to somebody else's failure, see, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sin, right? So if we're walking in love, it is, it is our job to begin to cover people's sin. And the Bible also says confess your sin, but we get it backwards. I want to confess everybody else's sin and cover mine. So if we tend to overreact to the fact that somebody has, has fallen, our love level is low. Because Paul said, hey, those of you that are spiritual, bear up, pick up, carry those who are weak. It's our responsibility. When somebody falls, it, it's not our job to kick them. When people fall, it is not our job to go, do you realize what you've done? It is our job to reach down and pick them up and go, I got you. I got you, okay? I'm going to carry you through this because guess what? I may need you to carry me later. Here's the last one. If your heart does not ache for the lost, the hurt, the overlooked and forgotten. Your love level may be low. And I think that one probably hits all of us. So when our love level falls, we tend to lean into religious activity, which is really just a false substitute for the righteous acts of the people of God. You can be doing the right thing, once again, with the wrong attitude. When my love level is low, oh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just in the Word all the time. I'm in the Word all the time. Well, what is the Word changing in you and then being poured back out to others? So we need our love level refilled often. 
Psalms 51, 12, the beginning of the verse there says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. In other words, help me remember. Help me remember. And after we remember, we repent. We repent. Remember, repenting is not just saying I'm sorry for something. Repenting is allowing the Lord to change the way that we think about the subject to such a degree that we begin to do opposite of what we've been doing. So Jesus said, remember the love you used to walk in because you're not doing it now. And then head back this direction. Repent, turn around, begin to do it again. So love like you did at first. Pursue the Lord like you did at first. Forgive like you did at first. We have to do this personally, and we have to do it as a church. We have to do this together as a church. Because if we don't, Jesus is very clear. Second part of uh, Revelation 2, 5. He says, if you don't do this, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Remember, he said the lampstands were the churches. So is Jesus going to shut down the church? Could. But I don't think that's really what he's talking about. What does a lampstand do? Gives light. A lampstand back then held oil. Oil always represents the presence of the Holy Spirit. So if the lampstand gives light and the the oil represents the Holy Spirit, if we're not a church that loves, we cannot be a light to this world. And if we're not a light to this world, then we forfeit our purpose for the anointing of the Holy Spirit in our church. I'm going to be real honest with you, okay? Okay. I want to see the gifts of the Spirit move as much as Corey wants to see the gifts of the Spirit move. I want to see signs and wonders as much as Corey wants to see signs and wonders. We're in agreement there. But I've been in churches where the gifts of the Spirit were moving, yet they didn't love. They forgot to love. And after a while, God just removed the anointing. And if you keep operating after the anointing has left, you're operating out of witchcraft. I needed all six weeks to come up with this. (laughs) Don't ever take six weeks off again, please. This is exactly what the church at Ephesus was doing. They were forfeiting the presence of God for a form of religion. I don't want to see us get there. I don't want to see us ever have a heart to be doing some right things, but not be doing it in love. So therefore, even the right things that we're doing are negated. Because without love, that's what Paul said. 
even if I spoke with the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love, what did he say? It's like somebody banging on a gong. It's worthless. But the promise is, in verse 6, the promise is that if we remember and if we repent, we will, if we make love the first thing, we will eat of the tree of life. In other words, everything that we will ever need, God will make sure that it is provided for. We cannot just be a church that's about Sunday morning giving information. It's got to be about transformation. See, in the church world, and I get to be around a lot of pastors, I'm in the church world, and somewhere along the way, we thought that to be successful, the sign of success is how many people you got sitting in seats. But what if the sign of success was how many lives are being transformed and how many were sending out of the building? Go away. Get out of here. Go fulfill what God has called you to do. Don't just sit in here and, oh, I need a new revelation. Oh, I need this. Oh, I need that. Go. 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 Because if we think just cramming people into a room is doing church, we have missed the mark. Because that's not the way love operates. Love leaves the 99 or the 199 or the 1,099, however there happens to be, and goes and finds the one. And that's who we're supposed to be. So what do I want you to know? We can be right, but still be wrong if we don't love like Jesus. What do I want you to feel? I want you to feel challenged by the Holy Spirit to go back to basics and simply love. Simply love. I know people are unlovely. Some are hard to love. But Jesus loved you and you were hard-headed too. Should have got a big amen for that one. What do I want you to do? I want you to repent with me. Repent with me. Let's ask the Lord to tear down anything that is not of him. We don't want to build a church on personality. We don't want to build a church on programs. Those are good things. There's nothing wrong with having a personality. There's nothing wrong with having programs. But the very basic tenet of the gospel is go make disciples. Go love people enough to bring them into a relationship with Jesus and then train them how to do the same thing. Let's ask the Lord to, to fill our love levels up so we can be the church that he has called us to be.
Remember Ephesians. That's one of my favorite books. There's great stuff in Ephesians. The letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians. Oh, you sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. He's given you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him. The armor of God is there in chapter 6. Man, it's just a great book. But Paul left Timothy to pastor it, and he went on. And we have the two books, the two letters that Paul wrote to Timothy. And in the second one, Timothy's discouraged. How many years later are we even talking about? And Timothy is discouraged about some of the things that are going on in the church. And Paul had to say, well, let me just tell you. Sometimes people are lovers of themselves more than they are lovers of God. And here we get to 40 years later, and Jesus is saying, you've completely left love. You forgot about what started this whole thing. Love. What he said, for those that have ears to hear and will listen to the Spirit, things can be turned around. Right? For us individually and as a church, I think we do a good job of loving, but there's always room to love more, to love better. Right? If anything is ever said about New Covenant Church, I want it to be said, they really love people. The people go to that church, not for the preaching, (laughs) but because of love. Because of love. Because of love. I am here in this church because of love. Because I came broken and beaten and kicked out by religion. I came trampled on and stomped on and robbed by religion. By that church that could operate in all these miracles but forgot to love. Thank you. (laughs) I love you too. (laughs) Here's the sad ending to Ephesus. The church was destroyed. It's not there. It's not there. What a sad ending to such a powerful beginning, right? But here's the thing. The DNA of this house is love. The man that founded this church did it out of love, operated in love. And many of you are just like me. You're here because of that man of love. And we get to stand on his shoulders and love, love, love. Why would we say, doesn't matter what your story is, you're welcome here. Doesn't matter what your hurt is, you're welcome here. It's because of love. All right? Will you stand with me? I can go on and on, but I won't. It's about love. It's about love. It's about love. It's about love. How's your love level this morning? I'm telling you, even as I was beginning to to study for this message, 
I'm convicted in my heart. Lord, I want to love. I want to love people. I want to love people the way that you love people. I want to look at people and I want to look past their, their hurt and their brokenness and see who they really are. Because sometimes when people are hurt and broken, man, they can get angry. I was, I was, I was an angry hurt. I was a mean hurt. But someone saw past that. And I want us as a church to say, Lord, we want the worst cases. We want those that no one else wants. Those that would be asked to leave other churches. I want those. And I want to show them love. And I want to show them a path that brings them to freedom and health and wholeness. Can you agree with that? Well, then will you pray with me? Don't just listen to me pray. Pray with me. Agree with what I'm praying. Pray out of your own mouth. Pray in the Spirit. Just pray with me. Lord, you see our hearts this morning. Lord, we want to be a church of love. We want to love the way that you love. Lord, I thank you for the good things that you have done in this house over the last 20 years. The good things that you have done. Lord, the good messages that have been preached. The good youth groups. The good children's ministry that has gone on. But Lord, beyond that, we want to love. We want to love. We want to have an impact in our community. We want to be known as a place that loves. No matter what someone's hurt is. No matter what their favorite sin is. Lord, we choose love. We choose love. And Lord, I pray that you would tear down every preconceived idea that we have that would keep us from fulfilling that. Lord, remove everything that would keep us from being a house of love. change our hearts, change our minds, change our attitudes, whatever it might be. Lord, I'm asking that for myself, and I'm asking it for this body that we call New Covenant Church. Lord, I pray that we never come to the place where you're saying, hey, remember, remember from where you've fallen. Go back and love. Lord, we don't want to get off. We want to love. We want to love. We want to love people right where they are and love them into the place that you want them to be. In Jesus' name, amen. What's going on in your heart? I would say, I would ask the prayer team to come down, but I only see like one of them. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. Josh and Brittany, come on down. These are just some people good at praying. Okay, just some people good at praying. If you need prayer, if you need ministry, I'm going to ask you to be bold and come down and, and, and allow someone to pray with you.
okay? Because we're going to be dismissed. And you can walk out and go, man, I didn't get anything I needed. (laughs) But you may have come for this whole thing. You had to listen to me for the last 40 minutes just for us to get to this. Because this is where you can come and find freedom. Okay? Father, love your people the way only that you can. Set them free. Lord, save, heal, deliver your people. In Jesus' name, amen. You're officially dismissed, but if you need prayer, come get prayer.